It was November for Little River. I didn't sleep at home. I went to meet you after that call. I saw you from the door, Little River. I whistled an old song. Your ears were big, but you were so small. Your heart tasted like bread, Little River. I couldn't understand. Hello, everyone, and greetings from Shanghai, China. This is Mark Fonseca Rendero, also known as Bicycle Mark on the internet, and you're listening to Citizen Reporter, the podcast that focuses. Well, it doesn't focus on much these days, let's be honest, but. Normally, we focus on、uh, life, things happening in different parts of the world, different experiences, stories. And indeed, it's been some time.、Uh, thanks for the people who have stayed subscribed and check in occasionally on the comments.、Uh, I'm here in Shanghai, China, the largest city in the world. What's that put it?、Uh, 22, 23 million people. It is. Twice the size, population wise, of Portugal. It is huge. It is busy. And yet at the same time, I'm out here in the south of Shanghai and the streets are quiet at night. And、uh, there's something very calm and small village about it. I guess that comes with being a really large, sprawling metropolis, megalopolis. That's a good word, megalopolis. Um, so, it's my first time in China and certainly my first podcast from China. There's no interview at the end of this rainbow.、Uh, I've been trying to get interviews, but, but I have a different mission here. I'm working for a specific institution. I'll talk about that in a moment. So, what happens is just as I'm about to get interviews or I have a chance at one, time is limited. And that comes to, brings us to one of my observations.、Uh, Chinese people in the world of work are very busy. They do many things at once and in a small amount of time.、Um, that makes a quick, unscheduled interview very difficult. And at the same time, they're not so much into scheduling every little thing, which is also interesting. But、uh, here I am, Shanghai, China, the People's Republic, coming to you from behind the Great Firewall. But actually, I cross that firewall every, every day because I use VPN. Yes, yes, I like to hook up to the internet via California or Hong Kong. All options in the VPN world so that the great wall, the great firewall, does not stop me from doing things. And it really does get annoying.、Um, Gmail, Google, YouTube.、Uh, Every time I turn around, some website that I need for something is either blocked or slowed down. So it's a, it's a bit of an experience, but at the same time, very、uh, knowledgeable or at least somewhat knowledgeable internet users know about VPN and could certainly have it ready before they get here or they could install it, get it working while they're here. That was my case. So, I'm able to access most everything and post photos to Flickr and, yeah, even go on the Facebooks, which、uh, people don't do here, which is kind of a breath of fresh air. There's another term you won't hear associated with Shanghai very often a breath of fresh air. But it is very cool to be in a land where people don't use Facebook 
And uh, it's funny, I'm here with a school group. They're in between the ages of 17 and 19, their first year college students. And they so often look around and say, how do people live without Facebook and YouTube? And I wish that these rhetorical questions could be answered with, we live just fine because <laughs> they do and they have their own social network tools and chat tools. Uh, but so here I am with a school group. Yes, I'm kind of a, a chaperone, not always a very glamorous job. Got to make sure things happen on time. Got to try to enforce some rules, although I'm not big into doing that. Uh, and just, you know, set things up and keep things running. And I try to do a pretty good job at that. Uh, the group is from the Netherlands, of course. So they're young Dutch students. They're business students, which again is not something you associate with me very often. But I like to teach the uh, the social things, the society questions. That's what I bring to the table here. And so, uh, yeah, when I can, I, I infuse that into our program. But indeed, we visit companies and we hear about the state of the economy and how businesses are doing. And that is, of course, only one piece of a very giant puzzle in this country and in this world, but it still is a very influential piece. So whereas at first glance, uh, discussing businesses and corporations in China is not my thing and maybe not yours either. On the other hand, it is these institutions that have so much influence over what's happening here and what will happen here. I'm actually learning a lot and often enjoying it. Uh, surely an incomplete picture, okay, but still. Uh, occasionally you get someone, and we've had several speakers, representatives of companies who are very well-rounded, who have a mixed background uh, beyond just business, some of science, um, who can tell you more about what's happening in China, not just in their office, but out there in this world. And even today, we visited, <laughs> listen to me now, an investment bank or an or a investment group, actually. And the gentleman speaking, very knowledgeable, very experienced, well beyond the world of money. And he said, you know, welcome to Shanghai. This is China, but this is not really China. There are maybe two Chinas. And that is a very interesting topic. I'm sure people are writing about the... Shanghai is incredibly wealthy, uh, the most capitalist place in the world, business rules, um, and it's so over the top, in fact. The skyscrapers are amazing, and, uh, and I'm telling you this as someone who grew up in the shadows of New York City's skyline, Manhattan skyline. I, I think this one is much more incredible. Uh, okay, it's a bit younger, but still, um, it's amazing what they've built here. And at the same time, of course, you have the other China, uh, the China where people do not make as much money as they do here. There are not the same, there is not the same level of development and opportunity. Um, and what people talk about also is how that China is moving towards this one. Uh, I don't know that the two will ever meet, but that these cities, which I still have trouble naming, to be honest, who you've never heard of, Xiamen or Guangzhou, I don't know. These are huge names now. These are cities that are right at the, on the, on the tail of, of Shanghai or, 
or any of your favorite global cities in this world, not just in terms of population, but in terms of quality of life and um, average income, as that is important. So it's really interesting to consider uh, the, the two Chinas. Shame that I'm only in one of the Chinas, but hey, you know, we got to start somewhere. And thankfully, from up here in the ivory towers, we can see quite far. And occasionally we can hear a voice from on the ground. So it's a, it's a, an amazing adventure, really. Um, outside of the work I have to do, the observations I can make, the lessons I, I can learn are fantastic. And uh, So I'll try and share a few with you here today on the podcast. Again, I wish I could pepper this with interviews to make it more lively. I can't even speak up too loud because I'm in a, a hotel where, well, look, it's nothing that special. Uh, words travel fa far and fast, so other people can hear me making noise right now. I have to be somewhat considerate. Um, but you may wonder, as I do, what is happening in China, right? And there's lots of ways to go with that. But as I said, the focus here, perhaps unorthodox, is economy, right? And that's what I've been hearing a lot about from a lot of experienced people. Um, and since for so many years, the story was China is a powerhouse manufacturing. China is a powerhouse. In the future, it's going to be bigger than America in terms of power, buying power and, and where business is done. And indeed, here we are in 2014 and growth has slowed down, right? So this, this crazy, fast-paced, uh, just relentless growth of a country's economy and a, and a country's population, um, at least the economic side, that has slowed down. Uh, it's still huge. It's still fast, faster compared to the rest of the world, uh, but it has come a little bit down to earth, which is interesting. Um, so, so some of the magic has fallen away, I guess, but, but what remains is still raw power that keeps growing and, and pulling, it feels like the whole world is being pulled to this place. I've written about on the website, on the plane with guys from Zaire, uh, excuse me, Zambia, Zaire doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Uh, guys from Zambia who were coming for a construction vehicles uh expo because they work in uh, major construction projects infrastructure in zambia and china is one of the major not only investors uh but also where the the machines are coming from at least some of the most best priced machines and they were coming to have a look uh, all expenses paid <laughs> Right? Because as you know, China is in Africa. We've talked about it on this program. Um, China is all over the world, but China is also here. And that brings me to maybe my next point. Growth may have slowed. The magic has fallen away. But one thing that's changing is instead of sending everything out and being the place where your iPhone is made and then shipped to you, this is also becoming the place where people buy these things people, the rise, you've heard it, the rise of a Chinese middle class. Um, and of course, here in Shanghai, I see a lot of it. I see the shopping malls. I see the way people are dressed. It's not, it's not always fancy. It can be, but it is, it is well beyond and, and maybe even beyond what I know in New Jersey, 
that standard has has been reached here and these so this uh economy if you want to use that word here in the country matters now and so companies are coming here not just the chinese ones that are already here but foreign companies want to sell to chinese people it's a huge thing to do um like walmart is down the street from me now i don't like walmart but that's not important at the moment you have to realize what is going on here where the attention is going where the money is going and here in shanghai alone um you see companies that even even back in the united states aren't doing that good but here they're doing well or they seem to have changed their focus to china and um you know that that comes to one of the the points i'd like to make here and you've heard it before but now i can I can repeat it, I can confirm it. The world revolves around China. <laughs> the world may not realize it yet, but what happens here is what matters. I mean, again, I'm overstating or, or wrongly stating in the wrong words. You know, we used to say you better learn Chinese because in the future that's going to be the language. And just traveling around here these this week Uh, that's not just a slogan that's good advice teach your kids chinese uh, yeah yeah the world can speak english many many people in this world but if the real big power and the decisions and the influence is here in china you'd want to know what's going on without translation you know lost in translation you don't want anything lost learn the language just the same reason that people speak english okay there's also the reason of the ease of communication we may not have that in chinese yet but i i can't believe that it's not priority number 1 in any school in the united states or in europe to teach your kids chinese i know it's a thing that is growing in popularity but we need to catch up we need to read write and speak this language um and not it's not just about business you know it's about population in this world it's about people who can god if we could communicate with them better things could happen things could get better we could understand each other we could help each other we could address problems collectively because there's tremendous power here people power and we have tremendous power of course around the world um now that might bring up issues of democracy and and things like that but to be honest things happen here regardless of democracy and and you know what that happens in a lot of the world um we don't all have to deal with the chinese communist party but we do have to deal with government systems that are at at best uh dysfunctional and at worst perhaps just rigged right it's the same people it's a revolving door if it's not the same people uh going in and coming out of government and then going back in it's their family members um so you know yeah the chinese style is particularly heavy-handed and obvious but uh, i i see a lot of connections to the rest of the world um and and what's going on and at the same time what's interesting is you also get a sense of people here demand certain things uh although they may trust the government as a sort of parental figure yeah yeah i said it um they also demand certain things so pollution right you've heard a lot about pollution in china the air quality here is said to be very bad now i'm here in the winter and we've hit some sunny days and the air has been clear clean what people say is you're really lucky 
on many days we can't see the sky. And you've heard about this for Beijing as well. And many of the new cities where, especially where manufacturing is, uh, they sacrifice their environment for economic production. And the same has been done in many parts of the world in the past, but here we have it happening in the present. Um, but what you start to hear is that people are upset about the air. Obviously, it's a little late, but still they're upset. And they look to the companies, but also the government, which is supposed to be this overseeing, taking care of us figure. And they demand the government do something, right? You can find a lot of articles about how cancer rates are out of control. And China is now the leading country for cancer. And of course, there's a link to the amount of pollution in the environment, air, land, water. Um, and people are, although it's slow and definitely too slow, but people are demanding that the government make it a priority. And um, even though you might think, well, the government can do whatever it wants, there's always a limitation, right? I mean, you've got <laughs> 1.4 billion people. Are you sure you can control every single one of them? You probably have to do a few things to keep them, keep them happy. That may not include a free press, but that may include a less risk of getting cancer just by breathing. You know, you may find both things just as important. I'm, I might also, but around here, uh, health is definitely important. And, um, so, you know, people look to the government. There's a, there's a certain sense of, we demand the following. And then there's a short list and, you know, can, can you enforce these things? Can you as people be sure that the government is going to do the right thing? No, no, I guess you can't. Uh, but you know, I would make a note, you know, the government does worry about what people are thinking because people still have power. They don't always know it but they're starting to realize it in many situations and use that power here. Um, what else have I done? I visited a company that builds um, systems for waste to energy processes, uh, aerobic and anaerobic. Um, I'm not talking about exercises and jumping jacks. I'm talking about um, taking your wastewater and making it into energy and cleaning it. And this is what a lot of companies use for, for making drinks, for example, or, or there's so many processes you need clean water, but you also make wastewater. And uh, interestingly, in the talk given, this was a representative of Pacus, um, which is a Dutch company way up from Friesland. And um, what the gentleman said, Mr. Shang, is that China actually has very strict environmental policies. Now, this may get automatic calls of eh, bullshit, but, but interestingly, he says since the seventies, China has very strict requirements on companies and whatever waste you produce to have a plan for where it goes and how it can be, uh, kept from getting into the environment. Now, uh, this doesn't answer the question of how is it then that the air is so polluted, the land is polluted and the rivers have been polluted. Um, obviously, there are always exceptions and companies that defy the rules and perhaps have the right connections so that the rules don't apply to them. I'm just speculating. There are, of course, I think lots of cases where environmental rules or not, they didn't get followed. And, and actually, we can point to China and say, shame, but we know this happens in our so-called West. I certainly know this for the United States. You've got environmental rules and then you've got companies that ignore them. And that gives us cities like Newark, 
that are full of poison under the ground from previous uh, manufacturing operations that were there using dangerous chemicals and then left and buried the evidence. So um, it's interesting, these kind of things that you may not have realized about China. Um, and uh, it's not always what you hear, um, whether it's uh, aspects of do people care about their health or um, do companies have any environmental rules? Uh, they do. Now, again, it's enforcement and following that, that may not be consistent. Uh, so there's that. Um, it's interesting to hear about the Chinese government's experimental endeavors. Um, you know, they, they keep using this expression, and I'm talking about observers of what the government is doing. They say, you know, you should cross the river, but as you cross the river, you touch the stones. And it's a Chinese saying, and it means be cautious, proceed with caution. So there's lots of interesting experiments here. Um, I wish they were in media. They're, they're not yet. Um, but they are in things like opening up to uh, products and, and, and corporations and ideas, uh, including, you know, cleaning up environmental pollution. Um, so I visited the Free Trade Zone, which is a, an actual geographic location on the coast where the port is. And you can do things like store whatever it is you produce tax-free in this area. Um, you can set up a little headquarters, and again, tax-free, you can be in this area. And it's going to be an independent area within China, but not with the same rules as far as taxes and even, I think, some regulation on what kind of businesses. Uh, I was asking about drugs, uh, pharmaceuticals and things. You know, how are they going to control them? And they said that, well, there will be some kind of control of, you know, there's a, a list of businesses that uh, are allowed. And then also under what regulations so food and drug have to pass some basic health standards and uh, then they can uh, anyway free trade zone it's china but it's not china it's it's perhaps more hyper capitalist than than the port of new york city or rotterdam because there's there's no taxes until the moment you actually cross the line into so-called china or chinese territory and maybe it's all just a marketing ploy to get more people storing their things here, producing their things here at some point. Um, but it's interesting that the Chinese government will do this. These experiments that would cause maybe some other observer to say, hey, that's not very Chinese government of you. But the Chinese government doesn't doesn't worry about that, or at least don't. it doesn't stop them. They conduct these experiments, and uh, that's how they roll the same thing has happened with the what's it called free zones i think shanghai is one of them where uh there's less regulation on who can start a business apparently it's quite easy to start a business in shanghai compared to the rest of china uh, i heard it takes something like two weeks um so it's it's i'm impressed or at least i remain curious about how they function because so often we we dismiss them and say they're just trapped in the past they're control freaks and they're horrible you know and indeed they may be horrible <laughs> uh they've certainly harmed people in the past but uh, the same can be said for many governments so let's not just point the finger in one direction 
Um, but at the same time, look what they do and can do nowadays. It is impressive. They have tremendous capacity to get things done in this world. And not everybody can say that. Um, so I find it fascinating. I'm not, uh, I'm not becoming a fan or anything like that, but I am, I am a very curious observer. I want to read more and understand better how they do things and why they do things and, and what impact uh, their activities have. Uh, so it's, um, it's an amazing time to be in China. I'm, I'm glad. I'm a, I guess the boom times would have been interesting too, but the slow down yet continued success of this place is impressive. Uh, again, I can't say enough about coming here, the skyline, the people are wonderful. Communicating is, is sometimes difficult, but you, you never give up and you find a way to say, I need this or hello, or how are you? Or, um, you can communicate and language would be nice, but not always the only thing that matters, which I, I like very much. So yeah, I think I'll stop there for, for today. I would like to mention for those of you who wish I would be doing more podcasts, you're not the only one, uh, myself included, but uh, I am still doing the Source Code Berlin podcast. I will be doing it uh, from now on until the foreseeable future. So you can definitely catch me focusing on Berlin, yes, on that the website is sourcecode.berlin. And I have uh, a few guests twice a month. And yeah, the focus is open culture, uh, open source programming, yes, technology, ideas in the city of Berlin and, and how those two things or th those things go together. So you can hear me there. And there's, of course, news of the world, which is, again, at the moment on hiatus. But we do expect to return, Tim Pritlove and I. So you can catch us there at news-of-the-world.com or just look around for news of the world, news with a Z. All right. Well, look, it's my great pleasure to have been able to communicate with you from China, from beyond the Great Firewall, from inside the perhaps most talked about nation in the world. Um, me and the 1.4 billion uh, greet you and certainly invite you to come see this place. I hope it's uh, the first visit of many, uh, perhaps not always as a as a chaperone, but as a journalist, that would be a great way to return. And it is possible. It's not impossible. Um, so let's see what can be done. Um, I will catch you again next time, maybe even with a China-related program, an interview. And until then, citizenreporter.org remains the website. And thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you again real soon. Take care. See ya. See ya. No one smiled to me like that. I had to go somewhere, little river. I left, I took a plane. No more river every day. I cried and cried and wept. I cried a river, I cried ten. So you'd be with me anyway. Your heart tasted like mine, little river. I couldn't understand We were two, but we were one We were two, but we were one We were two, but we were one
we were two, but we were one. Little river.